Hello and welcome to the Sound Up Seattle podcast. I'm your host Tyler Cartwright, joined as always by my co-host John Carey. And we are here today to discuss some wild, wild coaching changes in the Washington State football scene, along with a little bit of cracking and a little bit of just general Seattle news. John, it's a weird week because we're kind of in between a lot. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very weird week. We thought last week was kind of going to be the crest of this football wave, and it turns out there was. One more breaker we didn't see that really took us off our feet. So John really didn't see. <laughs> I saw too much. Um, so a lot of upheaval to discuss. But first, a little coyote picnic. Okay, John. I don't want. I don't. I hate to bring this up first, but we always do it because it's the one random team that needs to be talked about. Your Gonzaga Bulldogs. How are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> Burying the lead, <laughs> saving the coach talk. Um, the Gonzaga Bulldogs are not doing great. They are not doing great. Um, we've talked a lot about how this year has been. You know. A really down year. I was hoping it'd be more of a rebuilding year than it's turned out to be. Um, and that is just not the case. They have failed to pull out any of their big wins, as we've discussed, losing to every ranked team they've played. Then they lost to unranked Washington. And I said, okay, it's a blip. It was a close game. It is what it is. Um, and then last week, they lost to Santa Clara, a WCC here i guess they haven't been for the last 15 years this is the first time they've lost to santa clara in a very long time um and really put the coffin or the nail in the coffin put the put the coffin on the nail yeah (laughs) put the corpse in the coffin uh for this year's gonzaga bulldog team after the loss to san diego state a couple weeks before they very appropriately dropped from around 15 to around 23 in the nation, um, which I believed was more representative of where they stood. After losing to Santa Clara, a team that I would be surprised is ranked in the top 100 in this country, um, they have dropped out of the top 25 in the AP poll for the first time in over four or five years. Um, yeah. I don't know why we started here. You you caught me off guard. I was ready to have a sad discussion, and now I'm just a little extra sad. Uh, we'll pick it up, but we need we needed to get that out of the way. Yeah, yeah. There's just there's I don't think there's anything really positive to be said about this year's team. Their guard play has been atrocious. Um, I still like their big rotation, but the fact that Anton Watson is consistently our highest scoring big is not at all what this team should be. God bless Anton. He's working his butt off, but. That's not the role he was meant to play. And when he's the guy scoring 30 against Santa Clara and you're losing, I just I don't know where the answers are. We got three or four key pieces to this team that will be gone next year. Um, Anton, Ike, Nemhard, um, and potentially Ben Gregg. He's either a junior or a senior. Um, I guess Gregg might be back, but at least those three will be gone. Um And these are the darkest days in Gonzaga basketball since 2014. Um, Yeah, that's where we're at. (laughs) So thanks for that. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, Yeah, I think the injuries and the... I I don't remember who it was, but I think the the player that just left before the season, just kind of all those things compiled. Yeah, Hunter Um, Salas, we are missing him bad. Him too, yeah. We really use a little athleticism at guard on this team. Yeah, so I think Gonzaga is just going to be going to be struggling this year. I saw them; they were outside of the the team, uh, the sixty eight teams for March Madness at the mo- at this point right now. Yeah, um, which is not a great look. I de- I think they'll probably be there by the end of the year. Hopefully, the idea, they get the idea there. Of them being outside of the top sixty eight stretches the imagination a little bit, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Keep we'll- losing to the Santa Claras, and it it will happen. Exactly. Um, in other basketball news, college basketball in the state of Washington. Uh, the Wazoo Cougars beat number eight Arizona this week, which was a huge victory for them. They win off uh, Isaac Jones' 24 points. 
and they win 73-70. They also beat USC 72-64. A really nice two-game stretch for them um, since the loss to Oregon. Wazoo now has a far better win win this year than Gonzaga. That's that's true. The end and times are here. I, I really think it just speaks to the parody of college basketball, where it's just like any team can beat any team on any given night. It's been that way this season. Goodness gracious, the top teams have had a hard time holding on to it. It's, it's going to be Purdue by, by order of elimination, it seems. Yeah, UConn's currently won, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Purdue's just lingering the entire season. Yeah, it's going to be UConn, Purdue, Kansas, I think, all year. The three that seem to be avoiding the disastrous losses. But everyone else, I saw the other day, we had three top ten teams lose. Um, so, at least it's not just Gonzaga. Yeah. Um, Washington loses to UCLA but beats Arizona State in the in the week since we talked last. Um Pretty average ho hum season so far for the for the dogs. They're two and four in conference play. Wazoo's three and three. Um, inter- and you know, it's just just a note. It's interesting. Obviously, UW owned football this year as they ought, um, and we were anticipating Gonzaga basketball once again running the Washington sports college basketball circuit. Um, but it might be Wazoo, and I, I that's very real. I mean, they they have. Far better wins than UW, especially now that Gonzaga's fallen apart the way they have. That hurts UW badly that that was their best win. Um, and, yeah, doesn't look like it's Gonzaga. And between the two of them, that'd be pretty cool for Wazoo fans. It's been a while since uh, they could claim best in the state in college basketball. So Yeah, no, they're 12-5, they're and five, and if yeah. they, they keep getting these good, solid wins against the, the decent Pac-12 opponents... It Go could creep. wind up that they could creep up into the into the March Madness tournament, and we'll see what happens. Oh, they should be in the tournament. I I would be interested to see if they could creep in the top twenty five. They would need a couple more weeks of that. Yes, consistent play. Yeah, not after this week. But yeah, if they beat you know, did you say they beat USC or UCLA? They beat USC and Arizona. Okay, so um, if they got the UCLA win as well, if they do, yeah, it'd be interesting. I think. For for a Pac twelve team that wasn't really on the radar coming in this season, it's That's really tough. tough. Like. On a week-to-week basis, they only play two games, and so when it comes to that, it's like doesn't really make sense for them to jump up too quickly. But maybe in a couple weeks, if they if they win their next four and they end up being you know sixteen and five, that's that's a good precedent for putting them in the in the, at least at the, the top, top twenty-five. 20. Man, there are a lot of losses on these teams. A lot of losses. Yeah, college basketball is a wild ride this year. Mm. Um, in terms of UW and Wazoo's women's basketball teams, uh, UW. And Wazoo played on, I believe that was last Thursday, and uh, Wazoo won handily, seventy-two to fifty-nine, and that's about it. That's the only thing that happened, and uh, not much else to say there. Both pretty, pretty average, average-looking women's basketball teams, all things considered. Um, really tough to make it into the into the greats with uh, the way that women's basketball is really stacked up recently. And if we're talking women's basketball, don't forget to shout out the Lady Bulldogs. I've been avoiding Gonzaga basketball like the plague for obvious reasons, but uh, Lady Dogs are doing really good. They're 16-2 and two overall, 17th in the country, doing their job first in the WCC. At least they're still holding it down for us. So um, women's basketball still runs through Spokane, if nothing <laughs> else. Um, so got to shout out the the positive side of, of Gonzaga basketball. They got... Upcoming game against LMU and then St. Mary's matchup, which is always fun. Good. Nice. We might have to throw that on instead of watching the men's team. Yeah. I know, bro. Straight up. (laughs) Straight up. Let's get the Lady Dogs on. Um, And in other and probably our final section of Seattle news, uh, the Mariners signed Austin Voth, a right-handed pitcher, um, 31-year-old right-handed pitcher who is basically just a relief pitcher. He pitched in 25 games last year, had a 5.19 ERA. Um, but he's from Redmond. He's uh, he's a local product, and it seems like he's going to be one of those guys that we try and create, you know, the fastball slider combination like we always do. And uh, yeah, he's got potential. He almost he's averaging almost a strikeout per inning, like 0.99 strikeouts per inning. Um, so yeah, just a solid pickup. I don't think it'll be anything spectacular, but that'll be nice to have him in kind of those mid mid level reliever roles. Definitely, definitely, definitely. All right. Break it down, John. Let's quit burying the lead. We're going to (laughs) start our coaching carousel discussion at the professional level, uh, where after over a decade in office, uh, Pete Carroll is being relieved of duty. 
um, pulled away from the helm as the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Um, this is a tough one. It's a little bit complicated. Um, obviously, any Seahawks fan, really any football fan, has great love for Pete Carroll. I don't think there are very many Pete Carroll haters out there. Even the most adamant USC haters can find it in their hearts to forgive Pete. Um, he's just a good guy who brought just so much good energy to this team over the years. Um, and in some ways, this is a surprise just because he is a guy that has just brought consistent success over the course of his career as the Seahawks head coach. They have been averaging just over 10 wins a season, which is a playoff record. That's really good. Um, and obviously this year was not some colossal failure. It sounds like, you know, maybe the disagreement was more on the direction that ownership and Pete wanted this team to go. And the fact that, you know, Pete's not exactly a spring chicken. He's not necessarily the guy that's going to, you know, you know, lead up this next iteration of the Seahawks. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think you're spot on. I, from what I've read, it's the front office ownership. Um, they really want to move in the direction of kind of, they wanted to move in a different direction with the quarterback is really what it is, is Gino don't, was... Hey, be, don't be polite. They want Gino yeah. out on his yeah. ass. <laughs> Gino is is not doing it for him, and that's understandable. After the last couple of years, we like like you were saying a couple of weeks ago, Gino has played well for Gino, but it's not to the level that you would want from a starting quarterback in the league. Mm-hmm. Granted, quarterback play in the league is not what we expect it to be. Dismal. At least he played this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and honestly, having him, Andrew Locke, is a really good one-two punch when you think about it. Um, when you think about teams like the Falcons, who have Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke. Yes. I, I would much rather have Gino and Drew. Um, so, yeah, I think Pete was really, really really willing to run with Gino and put some faith in him. And I think he's just, you know, he's kind of the team's guy. Like, he, he is supportive of his players. He's beloved in that locker room, Gino. Exactly. Is. Yeah, he is. Um so yeah, just the, that combo didn't really allow for the Seahawks to move on in the way that they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it's honestly quite similar to the Belichick Patriots situation, where you know obviously the the Hawks had a much better year statistically and, and just missed out on the playoff. Um, but both of these teams, their ownerships were saying, and I think correctly that if we want to compete. For a Super Bowl, we need to take this team in another direction. We can't stall out where we are and expect to get lucky. Um, and in both situations, they had a very pedigreed head coach uh, who wasn't necessarily in a position to be patient. You know, both these guys are like, no, you know, <laughs> the man with the, the, the Reapers just around the corner. I need to try to secure my wins now. <laughs> um so I think it makes sense. It's sad for Pete. It sounds from what I've heard that, you know, he would have preferred to stay, um, which is tough for a guy that's given so much to the franchise. But at the same time, as somebody that wants the Hawks to have success, I understand. Um, it You know, from what I've heard, it was not some huge, horrible divorce. It sounds like Pete's bummed, but he gets it. He, he's looking at either potentially getting another head coaching job or staying with the franchise in basically an advisor capacity, which is putting money into his pocket, which is well-deserved. Um, so either way, I wish him success. But it begs the question, what next? Yes. So I have, I have two questions off this what next. How does this team, as it currently stands, look for a new head coach in your mind? And... And probably we'll get to this second question a little bit later on, but who and how do you want this team to be designed going forward in terms of would you want them to be more offensively focused, more defensively focused? How do we want those things to look? And then we'll we'll get to the who we think can do these things for us later in the pod. But let's talk about those two things first. Sure, sure. So, yeah, both those questions kind of stem from the same point, which is that this has been... You know, there are, there are coaches that just kind of coach a team, and there are coaches that come to kind of define a team. And the Seahawks over the last decade have been a Pete Carroll team. And you know what that means. It's high effort on both sides of the ball. 
It's an emphasis on the ground game and the deep ball on offense and tons of investment on defense, particularly in the secondary, you know, smash mouth basketball, basketball, (laughs) football. Um, You just know what that looks like. You know, we talk about it every year, Pete Carroll football. And this is a chance to go in a new direction. I was just talking, I was talking to my cousin, he's a big Seahawks fan, and we were talking about the guy who's currently favored to get the job, which we'll talk about later, but and he was like, man, you know, I get it, but it would also kind of be fun to go in a different direction, you know, something more just different than what the Hawks have been for this last decade, and I personally agree with that. When we talk candidates, there is one guy in particular that I really like, not just based on his credentials, but based on the fact that it would just be very different from what the last decade has been. And I kind of like the idea, you know, obviously it's worked under Pete, but I like the idea of just trying something new. I would like to see this team more based around the offensive side of the football. Some investment in the offensive line might be nice. Um, You know, just a change of pace from Pete. Bless him. Yeah. Um, To talk about kind of the the core aspect, because I I agree with you. I do also want us to, focus more a little bit on the offense and how how we can run big because we have a great I, I think we have a good core I think Tyler Lockett's a little old for yeah. starting a new core yeah I would not uh, be surprised to see him be moved exactly yeah um yeah he's a little old to be part of like a three-year rebuild mm-hmm. and I would love to see him compete on another team um he's he's been a great Seahawk and I you know would be happy to see him compete sure. would also be happy to see him stay but I just don't think he'll be around if we start the rebuilding process DK is a great receiver. JSN is going to be great for the next few years. Um, I'm a big fan of Walker. Charbonnet is a nice secondary running back. Um, there are tools on this offense. There are some really good tools. I would I would like to see us really really focus on the line before we get a quarterback. I just like we're picking middle of the road here this next year, and. It's not like we're going to get a star quarterback by any means. And I really would like to just see us, you know, take a couple offensive line picks in the first round, maybe even a defensive lineman. But as a as a core unit, I think our offense has the pieces to get going. We just need to fill it maybe with some signings, maybe with some some drafting some people that are ready for the NFL as soon as you draft them. That's um, the nice thing about offensive linemen in terms of ready for the NFL game. They're some of the safer bets, yes. especially, you know, top-end talent. Um, I'm, I'm totally with you. We're on the exact same page. I will say one of the reasons I think this split with Pete is happening now um, is the fact that this quarterback draft is so loaded um, that you don't necessarily need a top four pick to get a really quality asset at quarterback in this draft. Who You know, may or may not work, but, you know, where's Bo Nix going to go? Where is he going to go? There's a lot of talent in this draft, and it's not going to be six quarterbacks in the top seven. That's not how it works. There are other guys that are awesome that are going to be taken early. So uh, I would not be surprised, and I would also, I'm hoping that ownership takes a shot at potentially trading up to get one of these quarterback prospects that they really like. even if it's a guy like Nix, a guy not like Nix, you might not have to trade up. He could be a middle of the first round type of pick um, and could turn out to be a real difference maker in the NFL. Obviously, guy has his flaws and we don't need to get into the pros and cons of every quarterback. But I think you only part ways with Pete this year if you're serious about going after one of these young quarterbacks. And I really hope they do. I really hope they get aggressive about potentially trading up, maybe get in contact with... Uh, Atlanta, especially if they get Belichick, I'm not sure they want a project quarterback. Maybe they'd like Geno to plug and play, and we could work something out to trade up into their spot and take a QB. But whoever we get at this coach, I I get what you're saying, and I also want to see the line built. But with this draft being as good as it is, there's a chance to get an asset at a great price. Yeah, and so to follow up that, I had this thought today driving to work. The Cardinals have, what, the second or third pick in the draft? Yeah. Um, and I know they, they're they kind of in the mindset of, oh, let's get a Marvin Harrison or, or a really good receiver or something like that. Definitely. Is it is it feasible at all? Granted, they're in our they're in our division and everything. Is it feasible at all to trade them DK for, like, the number two or number three pick? 
that's really interesting. And that would come down to how they value a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr., who is as close to a sure thing as you can get a wide receiver. My my but main DK question. is truly proven. <laughs> yes. My main question with that is if the Bears stay where they are, they're not going to take a quarterback, I feel like. They or maybe, you know, we'll they might trade down, but the Patriots will probably probably trade up with them. It's not like the Cardinals are going to trade to get the, what the Bears want. Yeah. Like they both want a receiver. Um so my thought is if we can catch the Cardinals at a time where they're not going to be able to get Harrison and they're going to have to settle that might be the, the ideal time to trade them DK for their spot. Agreed. Agreed. Especially if you value that pick to that degree. Um, yeah, there's a lot of potential um, at the top with, you know, two teams that potentially are happy with their quarterback. And even further down, you know, it would be interesting, too, if the Bears do decide to draft a quarterback. Guess what that means is happening to Justin Fields. I really like Justin Fields. Yeah. I really like Justin Fields. He already knows what it's like to work without any offensive line at all. Um, so there's just there's a lot of possibility. But I would I would be very very interested in securing a new young quarterback through the draft or through a trade um, to go with this signing. And I think that's that's a good place to bring us to what the current odds are for who that's going to be. Um, pri- so right now, Dan Quinn is the favorite. He's like a minus two hundred. Is there are there like betting odds or are you just making this no, up? No, no, these are there are betting odds. Oh wow, the next <laughs> Seattle head coach is going to be um, Dan Quinn is the favorite at minus two hundred. He was even higher. He was like minus four fifty before that big playoff collapse against the Packers. His defense did not look great, um, but he's still the heavy favorite. The next guy on the list is Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator uh, for the Detroit Lions, at plus five fifty. And then Vrabel at plus 850. And then everyone else on the list is over 10 to 1. You got your Belichicks and Harbaugh's further down the line. Um, So it's those three with Dan Quinn as a heavy favorite currently. Um, Between those three guys, Dan Quinn, Ben Johnson, Mike Vrabel, two are definitely defense-minded head coaches. Uh, Dan Quinn already has history in Seattle. Um, Who do you like on the list? I think it comes down to we haven't really talked about the defense much and what the defense brings long term for a coach. Uh, there's a lot of young talent on this defense. There is, and in that regard, we both we both have said we want a, a good offensive, a new offensive approach to, to the Seahawks football. Mm-hmm. But in that in that way, I think that acquiring a head coach that has coached before and is defensively minded and can provide that aspect but is also well-equipped, whether it's his team or with some other offensive coordinator, to develop this offense. I think Rabel is probably my favorite option. I like the Ben Johnson option the second most just because with the, with the Lions um, and their offense as they've, they've changed over the years, um, I just think bringing back somebody who has been around before and having him try to recreate what he did when I think everybody wants something new, I think this is the time. I, I like Rabel mainly because he has a he's, he's a proven coach. Like I just think he's the best coach out of those three. Yeah, I don't really love taking a coordinator from another team because they're good at one thing and not yeah. the other. And there's always a chance like they can be geniuses, and there's always a chance that it just doesn't work at the next level. Um, can't remember the name of the Chargers coach right now off the top of my head. Oh, um, the one that got fired. Yeah. But we're even the guy uh, for, for Denver last year that uh, Sean Payton was talking oh, about. Oh, Nathaniel Hackett. Thank you, Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> he was a great offensive coordinator, and he had good success with the Jets again this year as a coordinator. Just didn't have the chops for the head coaching job. So I hear you there. Um, oh, I'm almost on the exact same page. I think Mike Rabel is the best head coach available right now. That includes Bill Belichick. That includes Jim Harbaugh. I think Rabel is awesome. Um just really, really good at getting the best out of his guys on both sides of the ball. The guy made it to the playoffs several years in a row with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. He needs a medal. Um, <laughs> with that being said, Ben Johnson's the guy that I want. Um, I think what he's done with that Detroit offense over these last three or four years, with Jared Goff at quarterback, who's been good, but, I mean, we know who Jared Goff is, um, has been really impressive. The offense that he's put together is really dynamic really likes to utilize the running game and the passing game together. 
he knows how to build an offensive line. That line is one of the best in football. You don't think he'd bring that same philosophy to Seattle? That would be a – talk about a change of pace. Um, he's the one that excites me the most. And then Vrabel, I think, is the best head coach available, so that would also be a good one. It's ironic that both of us agree that the guy who's currently the favorite would not be our favorite. <laughs> uh, I like Dan Quinn, and what he's really shown is an immense ability to develop defensive talent. You look at that Cowboys team up and down that defensive roster, and you're like, how do they have this many studs? It's because those studs are third and fourth round picks that he turns into all pros again and again and again. Same thing that happened in Seattle with the boom. The boom. The, the boom. <laughs> Those in the know just call it the boom. <laughs> um, uh, so he'd be bringing that back to Seattle, and I'm sure he would he would do excellent work developing defensive talent for us. I just, I'm not sure I want that in a head coach. And especially looking at something like that Packers game, I don't think he's the best X's and O's guy. He's an awesome, awesome talent scout and talent developer. But I think I would like a little more from our head coach. Yeah, I think the combination of Carroll and Quinn was really great during that Legion of Boom era because Carroll was great at the X's and O's, like you're saying, and Quinn was like one of the best, if not the best, defensive talent scouts. Uh, I guess scout's probably not the right word, but yes, people who was able to develop and project talent out. Um, I just, yeah, I just don't see it coming in a head coaching position because there's just so much more that comes on him. And there are worse guys out there. I do like Dan Quinn. I just think there are some awesome guys available. Much like the quarterback draft, the head coach, the free agent head coaches right now are unbelievable. And I would hate to settle for anything but the best. Yeah. I think it would be very interesting if we got Johnson and gave him a little bit more free reign as to the quarterback position. Yeah. Um, if he had a specific guy that he had in mind, yeah, that would be very interesting. Uh, but I will say his, you know, the Jared Goff offense in Detroit is very, very focused on Goff not making mistakes. Yeah. And I feel like that's... <laughs> Flag Gino in, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's the same exact thing that we've been talking about all season with Gino. It's like, yeah. Gino just needs to not throw two interceptions and throw, that's you know, one or, want, like man. 250 yards. And we it's want, just... We want Johnson to take the gloves off. We want him to get, go get Justin Fields and have the guy rush for 80 yards a game. That's what we want. <laughs> and that's what you... Well, that's what... He couldn't do with Geno if he were to come over right now. So yeah. we would have to make a, a quarterback change if Johnson were to come over. Right. And I don't think the same would be the case if we had a Vrabel or a Dan Quinn. Correct. Yeah, this team is more built in the image of Quinn and Vrabel currently. Yes. Um, what do you think about, what if we just got Mike Vrabel at head coach and then Johnson came over at OC and <laughs> Quinn came over on DC? How, what about that? We just booted Shane Waldron. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Shane. Um yeah, so that's I think that's kind of the breakdown. We'll see what happens. Quinn's the heavy favorite right now, but I'm holding out hope. I'm holding out hope. Yes, and I know in terms of interviews, so here's who the Seahawks have interviewed thus far um, per just random tweets from people who know what's going on in the NFL. Um, the Seahawks have interviewed, obviously, Dan Quinn, Frank Smith, the Dolphins offensive coordinator, which I don't love just because I feel like the Dolphins offense runs mainly through McDaniel. Uh, Ejiro Avero, the Panthers defensive coordinator, who, again, not a good team. I don't know why we would go for a bad team's defensive coordinator. We've got Raheem Morris, the Rams defensive coordinator, which would be interesting because he could bring over some knowledge about the Rams and kind of how they've been developed. Um, Mike Kafka, the Giants offensive coordinator. A bad team's offensive coordinator is not who I want. <laughs> um, and then, uh, oh, what's his name? Patrick Graham, the Raiders defensive coordinator, and then obviously Ben Johnson. They haven't talked to Vrabel yet. Um, I think he's still holding out hope he, yeah. and talking to other teams and things of that nature. He's slowballing it too. I think he'll be one of the last coaches to sign. Um, yeah, I don't think he's in any sort of hurry, so we'll see what happens there. Um, anything else you want to say on Seattle before we move on to other developments? No, I'm, I'm excited for this this upcoming discussion about and and you know the next couple of weeks and what we hear. You're about so positive, Hawks. man. I love that. Oh, no, excited about the Hawks. Yeah, yeah not not do. this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't worry. This is going to be sad. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm also excited. It'll be it'll be fun to see. It'll be fun to see what happens. Um, why why you tell us why you tell us something, buddy? Yeah. So last week. Our very, very good friend, John Kerry, uh, good guy. had the lovely, lovely joke that Alabama is would love to have Kalen DeBoer as their head coach, as he was one of the greatest winners of the entire Washington State football seasons. Um, 
And then, of course, Alabama listened to our podcast and was like, oh, this guy's right. We got to <laughs> we gotta acquire this man. That take aged like a glass of milk on a summer's day. <laughs> and since last week, when we were making so many jokes about how DeBoer would never leave Washington because of his success, uh, DeBoer has signed with Alabama. And Jed Fish, the University of Arizona head coach, has been acquired by UW's football or UW's AD as the new University of Washington football head coach. Initial thoughts, John? Well, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I guess. <laughs> My initial thoughts. Yeah, that didn't go well at all. Um, this sucks. This really, really sucks. Um, I, and it, there's just there's a lot that goes into it. First thing I want to say is love DeBoer. Guy's a great head coach. Seems like an awesome guy, and I get it. I get why when you're hopping up the chain the way that he has, that when you get the opportunity to go coach the University of Alabama after Nick Saban, you say, how high? But, uh, yeah, it really sucks. And also, hot take, I'm not sure how well it's going to age. We're going to talk about Jed Fish, who I really like, and I I think you like as well. Um, But... UW is in a really interesting position here. They are one of the best programs in college football, not one of the top three, but I would say top five with the amount of sex- success they've had the last couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Doris, man. Um, and with their move into the Big Ten, there's going to be a really unique and potentially short closing window for them put themselves in the conversation and potentially on top with teams like Ohio State and Michigan, which have always been considered that second tier of college football talent. The tier one is Alabama and Georgia and Clemson at various times over the last decade. Obviously, Clemson's fallen off pretty significantly since then, but uh, and it's been Michigan and Ohio State right there. Um, and if UW can come into the Big Ten and, you know, beat one of them or, heck, beat both of them this next year, um, I think it would go a long way to solidifying their position as one of the best programs in college football. While simultaneously, DeBoer is going to a Alabama team that hasn't won the SEC in three years. They have been uh, they have been Georgia's, I almost said Kirby Smart. Is Kirby Smart the head coach of Georgia? I believe so. Okay. They've been Kirby's kicking boy for the last – couple of years now, LSU's on the rise, Texas and Oklahoma are coming to the SEC, and Saban is out. This is a new program in Tuscaloosa. There is a chance that DeBoer is going to come to regret this decision. Um, it sucks. I'm sad that he's gone. I'm going to miss him. I'm excited for Fish, and we'll talk more about him later. But my first instinct is... is uh, I said Jennifer Lopez, the girl in Pretty Woman. You know, big mistake, huge. Yeah, uh, I think the thing that we that we you I'm just gonna jilted lover, and we're about to get hot. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I think something that we didn't really talk about is why DeBoer wants that Alabama job. Obviously, it's Alabama, but Alabama has a lot more funds and resources that DeBoer can use. They're just a prominent. Uh, prominent team in college football, so they'll get he'll get more respect. He'll just get everything that he can that he can use to throw at recruiting, throw at the team, whatever he wants to do offensively. Um, we don't currently know if uh, the Mississippi State quarterback is still coming to UW. Rogers, um, I don't know if DeBoer likes Milrow that much, and mm-hmm. he might be able to swing Rogers to Alabama, and they could have a really good battle for the one and two quarterback spots. Mm-hmm. Um, that Alabama job is going to be very nice for him. Yeah, it's arguably the best job in college football. He's going to be making more. He'll have better recruiting classes. I totally get it. I just mean keep your eyes open because the floor can fall out in the SEC the way that even in the Big Ten, if you're a top four Big Ten team, you've got a little bit of safety. But in the SEC, man alive, all those teams are really, really good. So yeah. you, can't, you can't slip. You can't and, let go. And to be honest, DeBoer has never developed his own recruiting class besides at Fresno State. Mm-hmm. Uh, UW, all of those players that he was utilizing this last these last couple seasons, those were all Chris Peterson guys. Chris yeah. Peterson was a great, great recruiter, and DeBoer has yet to show that he can really de- 
bring in those players and develop them to the level that they were at. Those guys were three and four star recruits that Chris Peterson picked out and knew that what they could be in the next couple years, um, which is why this is kind of the same thing that Michigan had. Like they had a bunch of three, four star recruits that were great as seniors and they kind of had the pinnacle of their time this last season, just like you yes. dubbed it. Yeah. Um, so we'll have to see if DeBoer can handle that. What I really, really like about the Jed Fish hiring mm-hmm. is he's actually kind of proven that he can recruit. Arizona's been bad for a long, long time. And he recently got, um, I don't know how recently, I haven't actually looked at his long-term history, but he was at Arizona for a couple of years and they just turned into a top 20 team. Like he's, he's had that opportunity to kind of grow his culture and his team and they've, they've really, really improved. Now, it sounds like the quarterback is not coming over with him. Mm-hmm. So that'll be interesting, and he'll have to kind of find that next quarterback. It might take might a few years. Might be the years. Michigan State guy. Mississippi State, yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, it might take a few years, but I think Fish is just as proven, if not more proven, of a recruiter and a team builder than DeBoer is. DeBoer has turned good teams into great ones. Yes. But he has not turned bad teams into great ones. Absolutely. You're 100% right about that. That's a great point. And I want to make it clear that when I heard the news, we you told me. We were, we were both leaving yeah. for a bachelor party. Yeah. <laughs> we were hearing this together. And I was just so bummed, man. Just so just, ugh. It gutted me. Because I really liked DeBoer, and I thought, this is such a loss. Who the heck are we going to replace this guy with? We're losing a top five coach in the sport, and who are we going to get? And I heard we're getting the Arizona coach, and I'm like, uh, okay, like who's this guy? Jed Fish? Fish? Really? That's the best we can do? <laughs> guy named Fish? Um, I'm He's grown on me. He's grown on me a lot. I agree. Yeah, did a little bit of research on him. So to give you a little bit more of his actual coaching acumen, as a D1 Power 5 head coach, he started his career, he started – as a head coach, two years in 2017 at UCLA, um, I can't tell you why. Sorry, two years. Two games ah. in 2017. I don't know why he only coached two games that year. He's probably the interim coach. Yeah, he probably took over. I can't remember what happened to UCLA that year, but I'm sure you're right. He must have been interim. Um, and then in 2021, finally got his first full-time D1 Power 5 job at Arizona. So he's only been a D1 Power 5 head coach for three straight years at Arizona. And that first year, that team was talentless. I'm not sure you remember how bad that team was. They finished 1-11 under his coaching, but that team had no talent on his roster. He does have a reputation as an awesome and relentless recruiter. Um, and over the last three years of that program, he's taken them from 1-11 to 5-7, and seven to 10 and three this year. Um, that is steady growth. Um, I was really, really impressed with that. I think he does seem to really be able to recruit his butt off. He led Arizona to 10 and three, 11 in the AP, almost a top 10 team in the country after a rough start too. Yeah. Um, and an Alamo bowl win 38, 24 over Oklahoma an SEC team next year. <laughs> um, so I really like this guy, Jed Fish. Um, I'm excited for the Jed Fish era. And you're right. He's a proven recruiter, which could not be more better timed because not only were we so bummed to lose DeBoer, but we were also thinking, what does this mean for this team? We just lost. We're going to lose five guys, six, seven guys to the NFL draft. Um, we were expecting this huge influx of transfer portal guys coming to play with DeBoer. Um but the next best thing is a guy that is just an awesome, proven recruiter who can start to rebuild this program after this kind of explosion of talent. So I'm not necessarily expecting top five in the country next year. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what he can do over the course of the next two, three years with the move to the Big Ten. Going to be a, a lot of moving pieces. Yeah, I think the quarterback development is going to be interesting these next couple of years. If we get Rodgers, that'll be great for him to be at least decent in the first year. Yes. But I would honestly, I would be okay with a little bit of a step back going six and six or whatever next year. Like that's kind of what you would expect from this kind of transition. Yeah. Um, and all the, all the players that are going to be leaving and pieces that are moving right now. Um, I, I don't want to be melodramatic, but I think this next year is going to be huge. It's part of the reason I really want the quarterback to stick around. Yes. Is 
not only is it a new head coach who already has to prove himself, but with this shift to the Big Ten, it's going to be, you know, so much recruiting is like, you know, clout and, you know, we've proven it. Yes. We deserve to be here. And in the Pac-12, UW had that. Go into the Big Ten. If they have a down year, it could be like, I think, potentially disastrous for their ability to recruit competitively. And on the opposite side of things, if they have a good year next year, that could really catapult them up. Like I was saying, I think this next year is crucial. It's all all the more reason I'm so bummed that Boar left because I think it's going to be the biggest year for UW in terms of building the program. So we'll see. Yeah, well, I think along with that comes the fish discussion of he can he can be eight you know he could go eight and three or eight and four or whatever and that's a success especially if he doesn't get rogers yes um i would be i would love eight and four next year yes and that's it's just going to be so hard to recruit with the amount of like flying and to be a student athlete in in, at washington but being in the big 10 it's just going to be so hard to recruit unless you have a good team so i agree with you this next year and probably these next few years are going to be very very crucial uh, and I think Fish will serve that role very well. Um, he's a big offense guy from what I've read about him. He's big on developing offenses, developing quarterbacks, and just, you know, like he scored 38 points against Oklahoma this year. Oklahoma's a new SEC team. Yeah. They and, were a top top 15 team in the country. What yeah. they What'd they finish? Eight? I... I think they were lower than that. They no, were, they were they were just in the discussion for the playoff, not in a very competitive way, but their name was being thrown around as a bubble team. Yeah, yeah. Well, that being said, yeah, Arizona was. I don't know how many Pac-12 schools won their bowl game this year, but it wasn't that many. Arizona was one of the like three or four. Um, so I think I think Arizona being good and Fish jumping from there to Washington. Is a should be a good indication to have as many players as we can as we can stay, mm. as well as development in the future. Yeah, I'm with you. So that's that's it. I think on UW. I'm 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 excited. I know John's excited. Um, yeah, it's going to be a good couple of years. Goodbye to DeBoer. What what a stretch. What a season. Ugh. Can't be mad at him. We we are he not upset at Kalen DeBoer. Cannot be mad at him. He's not a Washington guy, and it's the best job in the sport. It can't sounds like mad. it sounds like there was a little bit of. People are a little upset that there was a little bit of questioning about he was offered a contract by UW um, sometime around Thanksgiving and declined it. But honestly, that's totally fair. He's coming off. He's he's working on an undefeated season, yeah. and you know See he he might have known that that Saban was thinking about retiring. And if that Alabama opportunity comes along and presents itself to you, you don't have to sign right away as a head coach. Yeah, right as soon as, as you can to get an extension. Like you can, you're like any sort of player. Yeah. You can work the market a little bit. It's also so I'm not upset about yeah. it. It's also worth noting that not only all the recruiting and like the ability to build a potentially better program at Tuscaloosa, but this is a guy who's had a long road to this level of success, and Alabama is literally going to pay him more than UW could ever pay him. And you know, it sounds weird to think of it that way. We want these coaches to be kind of saintly figures, but it's like you know, if an NBA player goes to another team because they're willing to pay him twice as much as the team he's on, nobody's going to be like, what's he doing? What about the loyalty? It's like, at some point, DeBoer's got to look out for himself. And if somebody offered me a million dollars a year to go make a Alabama sports podcast where we talk all things Alabama, I, I hope you wouldn't hold it against Because we do make 500k a year. Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. They would just double. They would just double <laughs> our sizable income. Um but yeah, so only happy for the board. But I am. I'm excited for fish. Let's see. Let's see if this if this fish can hunt. <laughs> All right, one final final segment for this pod, and it should be a pretty quick one. Uh, we wanted to talk Kraken since we last talked. The Kraken are two and two in their last four games. They played four games over the weekend, um, or I guess over the last six days, which is a lot considering they've only, they'd only played three in the last two weeks. Yeah, they they have been on a tear recently. Um, so they won nine straight. Um, their two wins after the Buffalo game that we talked about against one against Washington, they won four to one. One against Columbus, where they won seven to four. Followed by a loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins and the New York Rangers, three zero to the Penguins and five two to the Rangers. Um, interesting to note that Decord didn't play against the Rangers, so that could be the reason that they scored five. Um, 
yeah. yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, my thoughts are that the streak was bound to come to an end at some yes. point. Nine in a row is amazing. That stretch, the very Mariners-esque stretch, which I, I hope that's the last time I have to compare this team to the Mariners <laughs> this year, but it completely reshapes the way that I viewed this team and their ability to compete this year. Um, to end that amazing streak with losses to the Penguins, who are currently just outside the wild card. They have a very similar record to us, just sitting outside of the wild card in the East. And the Rangers, who are first in the Metropolitan Division, uh, 58 points right now. The Rangers are one of the best teams in hockey. So certainly no shame in either of those losses. Um, And I think, yeah, more than anything, this is just a good time for kind of a check-in. They just ripped off a massive streak. That streak is now over. They've lost two games to two good teams. Where do they go from here? Um, So I just wanted to check in on where they are. They currently sit... uh, at the fourth spot in the potential wildcard hunt in the Western Conference, they are only two points behind the number one wildcard, which is the Edmonton Oilers. Um, and that just speaks to, one, the competitiveness of the West, because there are, you know, what are there, three, five, six teams all competing for the two wildcard spots. So it'll be interesting to watch that play out. They're going to have to keep up their good play if they want to grab one of them. But they're also sitting three points behind the LA Kings um, for one of the three guaranteed spots. They aren't necessarily out of uh, you know position to to get in out of the wild card and into the locked playoff picture in the West. So I feel good. I feel a lot better than I did a month ago. Let me let me break something down for you, buddy. And I, I hate to hate to crush your crush your dreams here. Um, so after nine straight wins, the longest winning streak in Kraken history, which is only three years, but longest yeah. winning streak, mm-hmm. uh, the Kraken are the 20th ranked team in terms of uh, points, I believe. And they are the most average team that I've ever looked up statistically. Like, <laughs> it's, it's kind of crazy. So there's a stat um, on, I'm looking at NHL hockey reference and there's a stat called um, SRS which is just called simple rating system and that system just rates your team it's average is zero and then there's below average is negative and above average is positive the Kraken are minus 0.08 they are hovering as close as you can to the average team but just slightly below and every single statistic that I'm looking at in their per game in their goals scored, and their goals allowed, all these kinds of things, it's just all sitting right at average. Um, it's going to be tough for them to make a jump unless they can rip off another nine-game stretch because that includes that nine-game winning streak that they just had. Well, yeah, well, I think that's definitely one way of looking at it. I mean, if you're taking my role as the pessimist here, I, I think that's what that is saying is that speaks to how bad they were early in the season that they can rip off their greatest historical win streak ever, and that brings them back up to average. If they keep playing well, we're going to keep seeing those statistics trend in a positive direction. Um, you know, yeah, they have 47 points right now. It's very middle of the road overall in hockey. Uh, they technically still have more losses than wins with their combined overtime and regular time losses. Um, but, you know, over the last 11, they've won nine. Um, the, the nice thing about a win streak that big is it's not even an insubstantial amount of their entire season. You know, Their last quarter of the season has been really solid. So, And we've seen it. We've seen it in the way they play. Um, their defense has been better. Their goalkeeping has been better. Their offense has been way more dynamic recently. And there's a chance that that is a blip, and then we'll, we'll see them return to pre-streak levels. And they will not make the playoff, and they'll be disappointing for the rest of the year. Or there's a chance that, like the Mariners at certain points during the last two years, they've kind of unlocked something or revived something in the way this team's playing. In which case, I do think that they're a playoff-bound hockey team. This is a team that is largely the same as last year and, you know, upset the, I almost said Avalanche. They lost to the Avalanche, didn't they? No, they upset the Avalanche. They lost to the Stars. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. That upset the Avalanche in the first round. Um, so I would not be surprised if we continue to see a positive trajectory. The way that I look at it is 
I'm looking at the law of averages, and currently their averages indicate that they are where they should be. <laughs> yes. <you know? laughs> yeah, yeah. I appreciate um, that. And all that is to say, if they continue this pace, they're going to sit outside the playoff picture. They need to use this nine-game winning streak to boost their level of play up that much more because they were so bad early on. They had, I think, at least one eight-game losing streak and maybe a six or seven game losing streak yeah. in that uh, in those first like thirty games, yes. they were bad, very bad. In order to keep up with how we want them to play, they really need to just keep winning, and it's it's going to be tough to, to for them to figure that out. I think this they've got a nice stretch of home games coming up um, after oh, this series or one after more road game against Edmonton, but then yes, uh, five, four four game home stand. Yep, and then. If they can get on get on track for that, um, that's going to be good because they have a relatively easy road stretch against you know San Jose, the Flyers, um, New Jersey, Boston's going to be tough. But like if they can get you know six out of the next nine, yeah, that's I, what would, I would be happy with that. That's what I'm talking about, man. That's what I'm talking about. If they go you know f- four and five over the next nine then you're right. Well, maybe you look back at this streak and say, huh, that was kind of fun. Um, but I don't think that's what's going to happen. I I hope you know I agree with you that they have to keep trending positively. They can't go 500 the rest of the season by any means. Um, but I've liked what I've seen. Yeah. I, I'm, the main thing that I'm worried about is it's a mountain and they're going to you know go down the backside. Now. Correct. Uh, Always keeping me level-headed, you. <laughs> the beauty of this pod. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anything else before we before we close it out? No, I think that's a good spot. All right. Well, for John Carey, I'm Tyler Cartwright, and this has been the Sound Up Seattle podcast. If you enjoyed this episode of Sound Up Seattle, please feel free to give us a follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We have a buddy who is asking about another random podcasting site thing, and we're we're too lazy to do that right now. <laughs> so if you're listening, we hope you enjoy these ones that it's already on. Start sending cash. We'll put it wherever you want. <laughs> You can find Sound Up Seattle on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram, all at Sound Up Seattle, lower, all lowercase, all one word. You can find me, Tyler, at Tycart50, everywhere that's important. You can find John playing Star Wars Battlefront. He's back on the Battlefront grind. I am grinding. <laughs> uh, and with all that being said, let's go squids. Let's go squids.